today on Ag News Daily. Connecting digitally the grain side of a farmer's inbound information. So we're real excited about the opportunity. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Delaney Howell here on the Ag News Daily Podcast, flying solo today. I was thankful yesterday Mike took over the reins. Today, I'm going to take over the reins. A little bit hectic with traveling and speaking season, conference season, etc. Mike is also taping This Week in Agribusiness today, which of course will air this coming weekend, so be sure to check him out there. But because of that and my schedule traveling to Albany, New York, we couldn't quite make it today, make it work today to record the podcast together. So instead, you guys get to have me. I didn't say stuck with me. You get to have me today. But as I mentioned, I am in Albany, New York, of course, the state capital of New York, learning about agriculture going on here, as well as attending the Northeast Agribusiness and Feed Alliance annual conference in Albany. I'll be emceeing that event tomorrow. I'm really looking forward to it. Looking forward to attending some interesting sessions this afternoon about agriculture here in the Northeast, and I'm hoping to bring a couple interviews, either this weekend or next, looking at this part of the U.S. as agriculture. I don't know that we have a ton of listeners from this part of the U.S. that listen to the podcast. I know we've got a few, but I always find it super fascinating to learn about other sectors of agriculture within other parts of the United States, so do stay tuned for us with us for that later this week. But then I'll be heading, of course, to the National Cattlemen's Beef Association annual convention. So if we've got any listeners traveling there, know folks that'll be traveling there, please hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Ag News Daily, or you can always tweet at me directly at DelaneyHowell07. But I'm recording this a little bit early today, so we're probably not going to talk too much about the markets. They are not officially closed yet as I sit here and record this on this Tuesday afternoon. But of course, it is Tech Tuesday, and that is sponsored by our partners at HTS Ag. They're also going to be at some trade shows here coming up, the Triumph of Ag Expo in Omaha area. And they're still giving away those mini drones at their conferences. So if you'll be a, if you'll be attending that, I uh, encourage you to sign up for that. They mentioned to us at the Iowa Power Farming Show last week, they don't have a ton of people that sign up for those. So do stay tuned, stop by their booth, check that out. Win a free drone. You might as well, right? So Technology Tuesday is coming at us later. We're going to be chatting with Jake Jornstad and Matt Walsh of Bushel and Granular, talking about some new technology, some new partnerships, some new synergies coming to the ag industry. But we've, of course, got to talk about news first. I'm going to kick things off. I'm not going to spend too much time talking about this, but of course it was caucus night in Iowa last night. We still have not as of about 1230 when I'm cutting this, 1230 central time, still have not seen official results from the Iowa caucuses. Personally, I think caucuses are a silly process. For those of you that don't know, you basically register, you go into a gym or a schoolroom or wherever your caucus, township caucus is being held. You go stand or sit at wherever your candidate's poster or name is, and then you basically debate. It's kind of like a big debating session. You try to get people, quote unquote, to come over to your side. I was talking to my mom this morning. She said it's like playing a game of Red Rover, Red Rover, come on over kind of thing that you played in elementary school. That's basically what the Iowa caucuses are like. And so it seems that 
There was no stunning victory by any candidate, any Democratic candidate, even though party officials were expecting a really large turnout for this year's caucus. They said that Monday night's turnout was closer to the 2016 caucus numbers at about 170,000 people, rather than the record, which was back in 2008, which was about 240,000 Iowans that got out there and caucused when Barack Obama was running for president, but didn't see a big turnout for Iowa caucuses comparably. And that poses some concern for folks watching the Iowa caucuses, specifically of those of us that live in Iowa, because they said if Iowa doesn't continue to have these big count-out, big, excuse me, big turnout numbers, Iowa could lose our first-in-the-nation status because of a counting debacle, because of a not big turnout this year, and so really could hurt us in seeing future candidates not pay as much attention to farm policy and biofuel policy and just agriculture in general. So I have mixed feelings about it. I personally hate having the caucuses come here first every year, but it does really give the candidates time to focus on those issues that impact a lot of rural Americans. So double-edged sword there, I'd suppose you could say. Another double-edged sword has been the U.S.-China trade phase one deal. We've seen now Chinese officials have been in contact with U.S. officials and are hoping that the U.S. will agree to some flexibility on pledges of their phase one trade deal, largely because of the coronavirus. The Chinese Commerce Ministry and the U.S. Trade Representative Office didn't respond for comment as of yet after China released the statement that in the event that a natural disaster or other unforeseeable event delays either from complying with the agreement, it's kind of unclear whether or not China has formally requested that they that the U.S. take a step back or allow China to regain some positivity in their marketplace before coming to the table, so to speak. But it does seem that China has, at least in rumor, asked to be let out or let off for some of these initial trade purchases here. And that was also echoed in some comments given this morning by National Economic Council Director Larry Kudlow. He said that indeed it's true because of this coronavirus, we will not see this quote-unquote export boom happen quite as soon as we thought we would. He said it is true the phase one trade deal, the export boom for the trade deal will take longer because of the Chinese virus. He told that to Fox Business as of this morning. And so he said he doesn't know really how long of a delay that's going to be, but estimates that it could take maybe up to half a year. But again, he stressed the situation is very unclear really depends on how quickly this virus gets resolved. Maybe a vaccination gets found, or maybe it just dwindles out. But I know the coronavirus wasn't something we could predict, but it's just, you know, go figure that after all this time, we've got a phase one trade deal. We're starting to potentially see the Chinese come to the purchasing table, and now we have this. So, and this one, I've heard some people compare it to the SARS virus that happened Uh, however many years ago now, 
One of the major differences, because yes, the coronavirus, when compared to the common cold influenza, really isn't as big of a deal yet. But on the Chinese side, they, of course, had just kind of had their Chinese New Lunar New Year that they really didn't get to celebrate. A lot of their country has been on quarantine, as well as parts of their import and export ports. They say they're still very concerned about passing that virus out of the country. And so some marine terminals in China are working, but some are not because they're trying to contain that spread of the virus. So things are really slowing down on the import-export side for China. And so that does also create some uncertainty. But compared again to that SARS virus in Hong Kong, Ports were still unloading and, and loading vessels 24-7, according to Joe Haggard with the U.S. Meat Export Federation. So this virus, comparably, on at least from an export-import perspective, is much different, much more drastic than the SARS virus that we saw, SARS epidemic that we saw. So we're going to continue to watch that story. It's really interesting how it keeps kind of unfolding here, but a little unfortunate for our U.S.-Chinese phase one trade deal. But a good news for U.S. producers, U.S. rice producers more specifically, because of all the droughts and wildfires going on in Australia, Australia will see the smallest rice harvest that they've seen in decades. Good news for U.S. medium and short grain rice farmers, according to the USA Rice Federation. Now, the one thing to note that is is of course Australia is a member of the CPTPP agreement, which of course means they get some preferential treatment and access to the Japanese market, which is a big producer of rice. But because of the trade deal we have in place with Japan and really just because Australia is going to need so much rice, it does sound like US rice producers may profit from that opportunity. Australia's 2020 production is projected to be nearly one-tenth of its 10-year average, so a tenth of the 10-year average. Exports are expected to be pretty much non-existent for the Australian rice producer, and so it really does sound like a lion's share of that will go to countries outside of Australia, Japan, the U.S., probably some other countries within the CPTPP, but it is anticipated that U.S. producers will benefit from that as well. Looking through today's other headlines, as Mike mentioned yesterday, we're going to see a third and final tranche of MFP payments. And really, the trade is still kind of anticipating, will we get another round in 2020? I know that Secretary Purdue has said we will not see this year, 2020, another round of MFP payments. But I think the question poses that because of this coronavirus, this coronavirus, this black swan event for the marketplace, we could perhaps see another round of trade payments. And I feel like this is me forecasting ahead. This is not confirmed anywhere at any news sources. But this is just me forecasting ahead that would say, yes, I think it would make sense I think the USDA and the Trump administration could feel justified in saying because the coronavirus affected phase one deals, the phase one deal, the import levels that we would see brought in, I think I could see them justifying having another round of trade aid payments. Again, that's just me 
That's just me speculating, forecasting ahead, but I could definitely see that being something plausible that the USDA tries to push forth here in 2020. And of course, it's an election year, and I'm not going to say any more than that. I'll just leave it there with that. But like I said, today's Tech Tuesday. I'm cutting this a little early before the markets have officially closed, but it looks like pretty much across the board, we are finally seeing some green on the screen. I'll let you all head over to DTN or wherever you get your markets and check those out for yourself because I am going to turn it over for a quick word from our sponsors at HTS Ag. Sponsoring today's Tech Tuesday episode is HTS Ag and HTS Ag not only dedicates themselves to technology, but they're also producers in the field. I've got on the line with me Adam Gittens, who is the general manager, and also using some of the technology that HTS has to offer on his own operation. Adam, tell me a little bit about some of the trials that you're doing to show to your customers just the technology that you guys have in your toolbox. Delaney, we really believe that we need to prove the technology in our own operations before we take it to our customers. And this is just another example of that. So we have for multiple years been collecting data on electric drives and turn compensation from those drives in Southwest Iowa. And we are once again doing that on my own farm this year, where we simply uh, worked with AgLeader technology to turn off the turn compensation and use the same planter. So we planted every other pass with and without turn compensation. The data is absolutely stunning already, and I can't wait until we get to harvest and be able to share those results with our customers. And folks, when harvest rolls around, you can find all of that information at www.htsag.com. And of course, since it is a Tech Tuesday, we've got about talk. We've got to talk about technology and agriculture, as promised, with Jake Jornstad of Bushel and Matt Walsh of Granular. Well, for today's Hashtag Tech Tuesday interview, we are excited to be joined by a former Tech Tuesday voice, Jake Jorenstad, who is one of the co-founders of Bushel, as well as Matt Walsh of Granular, and we're going to get to that and why they're both on the call here in just a little bit. But Jake, it's been quite some time since we've had you on. Thanks for joining us again to share your big news. But for those of our listeners who haven't been able to tune in with us, when you were on originally. Tell us the overview of Bushel, the company, how you got started. What do you guys do in the ag tech space? Well, thanks for having me on. Uh, you know, we started our company back in 2011 uh, with this idea that technology was going to be a major game changer, particularly around the mobile device. And over the years, as we focus in on agriculture, we realized that Farmers were ready for some of these tools if they were brought in a way that was convenient and useful for them. And so we launched the Bushel product back in 2017. And uh, what Bushel does is helps uh, farmers do more efficient, uh, more effective, uh, better business with their grain elevators, ethanol plants and mills that they sell their grain to. So helping them see everything from the bids and, and market prices of the day to actual account information like your scale tickets and delivery information, your contracts, allowing you to execute on those contracts with electronic signature and, and more. 
And I think that's so neat what you guys have done, you and your business partner, Ryan. But I've also got to ask, tell us a little bit more about the origin story of Bushel, because I think that is also worth noting. Yeah, so uh, Ryan grew up on the farm, and I grew up around the farm in North Dakota, Minnesota. Um, Ryan saw this constant need uh, when he's working with his dad in the fall, where basically he would have to run around uh, between semis uh, to get the delivery tickets and help his dad understand how much grain they brought in and what they still owe. And they'd be calling the grain elevator and they'd be um, calling each other, trying to figure out what the plan was. And of course, this is assuming they had cell phones. And before that, it was even more difficult. And we were working with the customer of ours uh, that was a sugar beet co-op and helping them solve a similar problem for sugar beets. And we realized in that process that this was really needed in the grain industry. The idea of maybe how, how you relate to your bank today uh, before you had your mobile banking app. Um, you had to deposit checks in person. You had to uh, keep track of your checking account balance uh, manually. You had to go to the ATM to get a receipt and, get, and, and uh, call somebody to make a transfer. And today you can do entirely all of those things from your mobile phone in the same you know few minutes in the morning when you wake up or whatever you got to do for banking. So we thought, how can we bring these concepts and this idea of the making it easy to do business with your grain companies right to your phone. And that was kind of the origin story. Ryan was uh, my co-founder was the sort of driver behind these ideas. And of course our team took hold of them. And in 2017, we got moving and, and today we've got uh, well over a hundred companies on the platform. It's pretty exciting. That is really exciting. And mobile phones definitely have their place in our system. So you mentioned a little bit of the success that you've seen today, but tell me a little bit more about the success or the adoption that you've seen by farmers as well as elevators and co-ops and those retail outlets. Yeah. So in the last couple of years, um, we've gone from almost zero to 100, I think it's 120 companies. So if you think about a company being your grain co-op or an ethanol company or a milling company, those are the companies I'm referring to. We are doing business with over 100 of them and uh, the farmers are, are absolutely taking up this product. We have anywhere between on the low end, 30% adoption of a farmer all the way to almost 100% adoption of the farms that are doing business with these companies on our platform. And so we've got incredible adoption. Today we have 22,000 monthly farm users on the platform uh, across the United States and in Canada. And so we think farmers actually care uh, to use technology that works and we think ours is working and these farmers love what they're doing. Wow, 22,000 farmers. That's a that's a big group of people using it. Yeah, and, and you think, you know, if you think about the consumer numbers you hear from you know, Facebook and others, they've got, you know, billions of us users, but in the United States, um, there's a debate whether there's uh, between 300,000 and a million farmers that are big enough to, to do business with these companies here in, in the country. And so to get, you know, something like 20,000 of them using uh, a singular platform to do business with their companies they're working with, I think that's a, a good start to where we're trying to go. Absolutely. And speaking of where you're trying to go, you guys have had some recent announcements that you are partnering up with Granular. Got Matt Walsh on the call as well. I'll let either one of you take this, but, but tell me about the partnership. What made you guys move forward together? Well, let me, let me lead it off and then I'll let Matt chime in. So um, one of our visions with Bushel and, and really our, our long-term plan is to help 
facilitate what you might call digital infrastructure for the grain industry. If you think about physical highways, uh, the train uh, capabilities, the, the railroads, the um, river systems, the export facilities that we have in this country, we're incredibly far along in our infrastructure. And that's one of the reasons why we're a leader in the world of agriculture. Uh, and the problem we saw was digital version of that infrastructure, the idea of helping data move efficiently between not just the farmer and maybe the companies they're doing business with, but also between businesses who are doing business with each other was so far behind and so disjointed that there was a huge opportunity to help solve for some of this. And that's been our goal at Bushel to help make this more efficient. And so uh, the granular partnership is a perfect uh, outpouring of that example, um, helping to think about how does a farmer get more information automatically uh, brought to them as they're doing business from the farm. And I'll let Matt explain about how that works. Yeah, great. Thanks, Jake. Yeah, so at Granular, um, you know, we're a software company. We're the digital arm of Corteva. And you know, key to what we do is provide farm management software to growers um, throughout the United States and Canada. And time and time again, what we've heard from growers is, you know, there's too many systems, there's no connectivity between systems, and it needs to be easier to get all of my data in one place. And, and really, we're the one place. Um, farmers don't work with just one grain company, typically. They don't work with just one retailer, typically. So they have all of this information in the form of paper coming at them from every single different direction. And it makes it hard to efficiently deal with, analyze, and make decisions as a result of when you can't sort of see it and, and deal with it in real time. So as we've gotten to know the Bushel team over the last couple of years and seen the great work that they're doing, um, it made a ton of sense for us to work with them on connecting digitally the grain side of a farmer's inbound information. So we're real excited about the opportunity to work with Jake and the Bushel team to automate the inbound grain information from Bushel Connected Grain Elevators to their farmer customers that are using granular tools today. Matt, tell me a little bit more what you mean by automating that process. Sure. So if a farmer is a granular customer, they can go into their system, they can connect to the Bushel platform, um, they authenticate themselves. This is 100% opt-in by the farmer. And once they opt into the system, they will connect to whatever grain companies they work with that are on the Bushel platform. And as scale tickets are created, they're coming across the Bushel Connect platform over to the granular platform to be housed inside of the granular farm management software. From there, lots of different things happen with that information. That's uh, the very same, neat. The thing is, yeah, the same thing is true for settlement statements. So step one is to get your scale ticket. Step two is to get your contract settlement. Um, and that has a, a big downstream impact into the financials of an organization, which are all housed within granular. So with our partnership with Bushel, that information is just automatically flowing as it's created at the grain elevator company. Very neat. That'll be kind of a more seamless system, it sounds like. Jake, I, I guess final question goes back to you. Uh, as you look at the future of Bushel, obviously you guys have really taken off here in the past three years. Besides your partnership with Granular, what are some other either pieces of Bushel that you're trying to put together or just 
the next direction of the company? Well, I think in the future, just to be really clear, our number one goal is to serve as broad uh, of possible the U.S. grain market as we can get to. So today we would argue that we have uh, close to 20% of the U.S. origination of grain flowing through our platform. So grain companies that have adopted our tools uh, represent almost 20% of the market that's being bought from the farm. We want to double that to 40% in the next couple years because we believe there's a time uh, where uh, we call it the tipping point where if we get to that number, whether it's 40% or more of the market, then we can lead and create real efficiencies. That's when the real efficiencies get uh, kind of come on board and it makes more sense to be a part of what we're doing, helping these grain companies connect with their farmers uh, than not being in our platform. It'll be more expensive to do business without us. And so our hope is to create a huge efficiency in the market, serving both the farmer and the grain company together. We think if those two businesses can win uh, together, the farmer and the grain company, then then we think um, everybody will benefit in that relationship. So more opportunities that look like what we did with granular with other areas uh, of, of tools that farmers are using. Um, also um, helping farmers with things like their engagement with the bank, maybe their insurance company. There's a lot of opportunities that way. And probably the biggest thing you'll hear about this year are two things we call them the transactional side of our business. So we start with letting the farmer actually submit grain offers into the platform so that a farmer that's doing business with their ethanol plant can actually give an offer right to the merchandiser's desk through our tool. And then later on this year, um, thinking about how to help the farmer and the grain company move money between each other more efficiently. So getting paid on your settlements more effectively and electronically, as well as being able to make payments um, with a tool like Bushel to your agronomy groups you're working with. So we're excited about a more transactional element coming down the road. Well, that will be very neat to see that develop as well. Jake Jordanstead and Matt Walsh, thank you so much for joining today. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Well, again, a big thank you there to those two gentlemen. Exciting news. Exciting to see some development from Bushel's end. We did have them on the podcast, but it's been, you know, about... I want to say two years now, which is crazy to think that in March, Agnews Daily will be going on three years. So tell your friends, tell your family if they're not listening to us yet. We've been at this for quite a while, so hopefully we've got things down pat. But for those of you, again, traveling this week to NCBA convention, hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Agnews Daily, or even if you aren't heading down there, be sure to follow us there as well. That's how we can hear from you. If you can share with us your comments, thoughts, concerns, maybe some interview suggestions you'd like to see us have on the podcast, find us at Agnews Daily. With that, I'm going to let you all go, and we'll see you back here tomorrow.